Sometimes you just need to fight. Sometimes when they try to shut you down, when they try to oppress you in this COVID-1984 environment, you need to stand and fight. And the properly ordered way to do that is for us to rally behind our priests. Our guest today is Father Trevor Burfitt, who is a member of the Society of St. Pius X, a priest of SSPX, in Los Angeles, behind enemy lines, in the belly of the beast, fighting uh, the the Fuhrer of California, Governor Moonbat Newsom. Uh, Father, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So yeah, I want to get right into it because I know you have very uh, limited timeline, and I want to take a couple live questions from the audience, if that's okay. Um, okay. First and foremost, you won. You took the man to court, and you won. That's the bottom line up front, right? It is true. And that was our goal, is to try to get some kind of pushback that would protect us. Uh, originally, we had asked for, it for a temporary straining order, but that was a, a big order to ask the judge for, what we tried. He didn't grant that, but with a very understanding judge, he gave us a preliminary injunction. So that's a big win, and it's, even though it's temporary injunction, meaning we have to go to trial, it still lasts until we have that trial. Right. Okay. So the preliminary injunction temporarily shuts down the COVID-1984 restrictions on Our Lady of the Angels in Arcadia, which is just outside of Los Angeles. Right. And all of our chapels that we service. So my faithful that I take care of or that my priests do service them. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. So, th- so that would cover any of the satellite, any of the outlying. Yep. So Colton, Colton, California's. Right. Bakersfield. Bakersfield. San Pedro. Now, is this, Father, it, this preliminary injunction, does it apply to all Catholic churches or just to you? Just to me, just to us, because we're the ones who filed for it and we're the ones named in it. Okay. But you read the ruling, and that's my important message for today. If you read, anybody reads that ruling, the very principles, the very arguments that are used to defend us and protect us can be used for everybody. That's what important. compelled you? Uh, what compelled you to fight rather than to just say, "Okay, maybe this two weeks to flatten the curve turned into six months to flatten the curve"? Why not just buy a big tent and stay outside? You know what I mean? Like, what 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 made you decide to just to do legal battle? Okay, a couple of things, and that was the the join the fight around the nation. Because already some of my fellow priests had stood up on the East Coast. You may know of them, Father Robinson and Father Stephen Seuss. They had already stood up and then ended up winning some ground. Um, and I wanted to join that, of course, to make this, um, well, comprehensive across the United States, but also that I could look around and see how suffering, how much suffering there was in the Catholics who couldn't go to Mass. The Those who had said, oh, Father, when they saw me dressed in my cassock, oh, I, I haven't been able to go to Mass in months. Are you open? What's going on? And I said, yes, we are open. You're welcome to come join us. Some of them do. Um, but it's just a tragedy to see that so many were without confession for months or communion for months mm-hmm. and not being able to go to their churches to pray, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I want to be very sensitive about what I can ask you because you do have pending litigation with the state yeah. of California. Um, congratulations, Father, on having achieved a, uh, a preliminary injunction, which is a, which is a huge victory. I, do you suspect when you when you make it to trial, if COVID is still around by that point— mm-hmm. Um, that that you will prevail? I do. Um, Because of the rulings that have already preceded us in the Supreme Court and the very wording of the ruling of this judge of Kern County, um, they're just steadfast uh, rulings based on the principles of the Constitution, not only the principle of the Constitution of the United States, but the principle of the Constitutions of um, the very truths of the Constitution of California. 
um, which the opposition, I'll call them that, the state and county lawyers were trying to show that there was a conflict between California's constitution and the state or the federal constitution, Mm -hmm. which is very wrong. And I think it hurt them in the eyes of the judge. But nonetheless, um, we wanted we know that these things are very supportive of religion and the practice of religion. So therefore, I think I would prevail uh, if it was to come to trial, assuming then, of course, as you say, COVID's still around. Father, why you? Why Our Lady of the Angels? Why the Society Parish there in, in Los Angeles? Where's Archbishop Gomez? Why isn't the whole archdiocese marshalling all of their forces to do what That's, you did? I asked the question the same, and I know there's priests here and there who are very supportive although very quiet at times. I only hear about these things in the background. I haven't actually been approached by one of them. And that's a good question. I ask myself the same. Okay, we gave them the rallying cry. We gave them the the motivation. We showed that it's possible. Mm -hmm. Why haven't they all jumped on the bandwagon? I'm sorry to say, but it seems very, very, um, may I say, (laughs) in their interest to stay on this liberal line. Mm Mm-hmm. And they've been showing that all along. They, I'm, uh, there's so many good Catholics in California that need sh- leading leaders and shepherds, and they seem to prefer to side with the governor or others. And we saw this even recently with all of the riots and other other uprisings that they they don't take the stand for the rights of God and for the rights of family and the rights of truth. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, it's again, is it not just the diabolical disorientation that Our Lady of Fatima spoke about? Yeah, I uh, I did some research into the state of California and the and the church there, uh, the mainstream church. During the lockdown, they took um, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of bailouts uh, in the in the form of PPP loans and yes. and other types of things. Even Bishop Barron, who's there, and I won't ask you to comment on him, but uh, he's there. Word on Fire took almost a million dollars in bailouts. So federal tax dollars are going to basically to close the churches. So long as they comply and they're closed, they get the money. And it sounds like they're probably going to get another bailout with this new Senate package. Um, so certainly it sounds like it could be true, Father, that they it is in their interest not to fight to lay down their arms. Are there is there anyone else in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles who has exp- wanted to join you or maybe go to the next step with you, or is it or is it basically just you? It's just basically me, from what I know from the lawyers, because they obviously have been reaching out to many other priests and bishops trying to get them on board, and nobody would join me. Um, I don't know about now. I, it's kind of like you know, the time of our Lord, Nicodemus in the dark. There could be those priests who are very supportive of me. I think I've heard of a couple of them on blog sites um, commenting, but they're still in the dark, you know. And obviously they feel quite a pressure not to act against what their bishop does. Uh, I will give you an example um, up in Santa Barbara. My fellow priest and I went on an outing. And going to this outing to Santa Barbara Mission, we had asked ahead of time if we could have a tour of their church. And the Franciscans there, they said, when we arrived, the guardian said, well, I'm the guardian. Um, no, you can't go in. There's restrictions against it right now. And I and I asked, is your bookstore open? Gift store? Oh, yes. <laughs> of course. To an occupancy of 10 people. We were five priests. And we couldn't even go inside the mission with him. Now, what sense does that make? 
So whose rule are they really following? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, can you describe for the audience, because I, I think a lot of the audience is, you know, in, in Texas or the Midwest, and, you know, they're in what I would describe as free America. They're not aware of the harassment and the shutdowns and the lockdowns that you've been enduring on the left coast and, and probably in the state of New York as well as comparable. What has it right. been like before the preliminary injunction? So we had, um, for instance, we had outdoor masses. When we were not allowed to be in church, we went outside, started with communion services and scheduled confessions. When we started having outdoor masses, then in the cars, people would sit in the cars listening to the FM radio. Um, people were actually on the street. Can you believe it? People on the street, not a lot, but definitely occasional. Runner going by, walking by. What are you people doing? Don't you know you need to be distancing what are you doing gathering you're not very uh compassionate you're not very understanding so we're getting this harassment on the street from people going by and even for a few months off and on and then we even had the police show up at one time um from arcadia they were so embarrassed to be there you could see these police officers didn't want to be there but they had to you know bring this in this protocol to us say father did you know about this and i said oh, okay thank you very much um and they came after we had after we had closed up, so you could tell they were even trying to avoid the big crowd. And when they came, they said, we don't see anything happening. And uh, I said, thank you. And right. then, um, but the thing is, they told me the next Sunday, Father, we're going to have to come by again. Somebody oh, no. kept complaining against us. I was, they called the house. They called the church and left messages saying, you're not supposed to be gathering. So people were harassing us, yeah. Um, yeah. policing us, you know, Yeah. yeah. aside I, from the police. Is <laughs> Now I I've been to the church before. I I can't remember how densely the the uh, neighborhood is around the church. Like, do you think it's the people, the local people who are living there around the church that were that her calling? I think there must have been somebody that could see what we were doing frequently, yeah. looking out the window. Or... So so ju- just to put a finer point on it, then I guess I mean it, this is just such a shocking fact. If you want to go to Holy Mass in the traditional yes. Latin rite in this in the in the southern part of California, or maybe even in the whole state of California, you're it. Yes. Um, although, you know, I've heard of the Norbertines in um, Orange County opening up. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard that how extensive that is, whether that's all of them. I heard about one of them in uh, Orange County. Uh, one of his faithful came by here because she wanted to see the church of the lawsuit. Uh, and she came by here and told me that her priest had opened up, but he was quite nervous. So I know that's happening. Um, Northern California with our retreat house and such, they are still outside. I don't know what uh, Father Tom uh, Asher is doing at the moment as far as thinking about going inside. They certainly have the right to under the same arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yes, you know, really, um, this if you want an inside, unrestricted mass, this is it. What What kinds of permissions did you have to seek from the U.S. District House and District Headquarters and, and your superior father, was that was that hard to obtain? Is that uh, Did you get permission in advance, or was it more like, you know, hey, we're doing this? No, see, I do have to have permission, uh, since we are a religious order and follow our superiors mm-hmm. from above. But you know what? They were very much on board, because, you know, the Society of St. Pius X is all about fighting for the priesthood and the Mass, and that's exactly where we're being hit, you know? The faithful should be able to go to the Mass. That's their right. And that's what we fought for all these 50 years. So the Society of St. Pius X, my superiors, have been very much on board uh, in supporting these um, litigation issues. 
And also our Superior General recently just put a Rosary Crusade together to pray for the faithful to attend the Mass and for the Mass to be celebrated. And, we're, and we got this crusade underway until um, uh, Holy Week, so Holy Thursday. Wow. Uh, it sounds like you're following exactly in the footsteps of Pope St. Pius X, who uh, once famously said, uh, we've heard a, quite a bit about the rights of, so-called rights of man. Let us now hear something of the rights of God. Yeah, you're right, Mike. And I think uh, one and very important encyclical to read of Arch, uh, um, Pope Pius X is his letter to the French bishops uh, very early on. And I wish I had more information on dates and the actual French name. But nonetheless, it's his letter to the French clergy. And that's very powerful. You know, I read that to the faithful here, part of it. And it's so apropos to what we're going through. Wow. wow. I, I'm going to find that and I'm going to put that in the notes here so people can, okay. uh, when they see the video, you can see the link to it okay. um, afterwards. It's a great read. <laughs> Father, do you, do you think that there's any stigma associated with the fact that you are part of the SSPX and that's why none of the other um, folks in L.A. or anywhere else have, have joined the fight? Or, or uh, in well, 2020, do we still, do we still <laughs> care about these distinctions so much? Well, I'll give you two two things to to um, explain that. The first one is when we first went live with our litigation on these. Uh, it was September 29th, the Feast of Saint Michael, and automatically someone from the diocese got on the radio, the AM radio talk show, and said, "Oh, they're not Catholic. We're not associated with them." I thought, well, talk about throw us under the bus. And then, <laughs> and then so that's the first reaction and the only reaction that I know of. Then uh -huh. the second one um, is that the National Catholic Register actually put out a very nice article where they said the Society of Penance X is no longer um, considered outside the church. It's just a question or schismatic. It's just a question of dialogue and, and trying, to, um, trying to overcome or settle the difficulties of Vatican II. We, wow, dialogue. We, you know, they'll use dialogue with liberals all day long. I've never heard yeah. a Catholic want a dialogue, you know, to, with the traditionalists. Yep. <laughs> so they, it's, um, it's quite interesting that the National Catholic Register would have taken such an objective and just very plain approach to, to us. And we hadn't heard that before. Wow. National, all right. Well, good for the NCR. Yes. Um, there are some good reporters there, too, who are, who are faithful Catholics who do attend yeah. the, uh, the Latin Rite. It's good to know it, too. Father, um, I want to ask your thoughts on the lockdown, just philosophically and spiritually, what we're seeing. I mean, it's been my contention, and I didn't run this question by you or anything, but it's my my contention that since the Pachamama, all hell has broken loose on Earth, literally. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I even have done a mathematical regression or heard about one that traces the birthday of COVID-1984 to the veneration of the Pachamama in Rome, which is, a, in my opinion, an act of apostasy. Do you think that yeah. there's any merit to that? And then even further, the opportunism of all the socialist uh, instincts of the governments of the world, including ours, uh, to take advantage of it. Right. No, I think there's definitely a, uh, at least opportunist spirit to jump on. If this COVID vaccine is, um, whether it is or not, a device to reset the world, it's certainly an opportune time for, like you say, the socialists and liberals to run with their agendas. And we can see this. And those who have been speaking up, um, 
at this time, I don't need to mention all of them here, but, you know, we know the different books, the different articles, the different interviews have been done, the political state of the world at the moment. It's all taken advantage to push God out of the picture and to reform, well, in a global setting, right? Mm -hmm. So to make it very global. Um, and we know there were certain there were certain blocks to this over the time. We know at first with our Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, the time of Vatican II, then we saw it even in different points in history with different other leaders, um, presidents, even our recent president. Sure. And so it um, there have been certain things, even the 100th anniversary of Our Lady, we seem to see things come to a point where they just either were black and white, yeah. flipped, flipped out. And I think that's a grace of hers to show souls what's black and white. Uh, and it, yes, there's certainly um, ever since... Ever since Vatican II, things have become worse and worse as far as, well, not only the liturgy, but also the uh, the expression of the faith. And so we know that this is a culmination. It's really a culmination. So now there's only a few remnant people to stand up against it. And that's where it's becoming very black and white to me. Mm -hmm. Ever mm -hmm. since the um, pontificate of Francis, Pope Francis, and then the the recent 100th anniversary of Our Lady, the four years of President Trump, the um, recent disease that's going around, um, this has all been, it's just not, well, I think it's providential for exposing, <laughs> exposing error and evil, but it's also an opportune time for the left to fight for whatever they can still gain, you know? Sure. Sure. With the vaccine in particular, I've, I've been, I've been an early opponent of it. One of my YouTube videos has survived uh, somehow. I don't know how, maybe it's a grace uh, from our lady, but I did an interview with um, a young woman who works with the Colby center and Hugh okay. Owen. And she put out a book called vaccinations, a Catholic perspective. And she talks about uh, not only vaccines in general, because she started the book before COVID, but the COVID vaccine, in particular, now I know that uh, lots of people have written spilled spilled a lot of ink about it. I just I I'm, I'm never going to take it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm I'm very weary of it. Who knows what's what's in it? Uh, am I off base by by having just this instinctual aversion to it, Father? No, and I think a lot of faithful Catholics do, and that's where we have to see. You know what what is acceptable, what is not in in receiving such a thing, because instinctually, like you say. We don't see, you know, there has to be an equivalent evil to take something like that, and it's not proportional. There's something we're being sold a bill of goods, quote unquote. It doesn't seem proportional. So we have to weigh up the things because we know that even even when there was a vaccine for the old diseases that used to always hit our societies, those seem to be proportional. Um, but even now, we wonder. You know, are they still pushing like the flu vaccine? I know of a man who uh, who recently had uh, his work, someone get up and talk to them about taking the flu vaccine because everybody seems to be forgetting about the flu vaccine because of the COVID vaccine. And so it was almost like a sale marketing, you know, a marketing sale. And that's um, something we have to watch out for because we don't take these medicinal things or medicines just because we want to make profit. Right. We do them because we need to really get well. And if the thing's not going to help us get well, then. Um, one of the attorneys who I think has been working with Father Robinson, uh, Christopher Ferrara, was he involved at all in your case? Very much so. And he put a lot of blood, sweat and tears for the <laughs> society 
or yeah, St. Thomas More, or the Thomas More Society. He put a lot of effort yeah. in that, and he's really exceptional. Yeah, he's he's smart. Yeah, uh, God bless him. Is he going to be involved as the case continues on? He will. Yep, in the proportion that he's needed. Uh, we had some local uh, Thomas More Society lawyers that helped me, especially Paul Jonah. He was very instrumental here locally. Uh, I was able to meet him at their office. Uh, but both Chris and Paul will be involved if necessary going forward. What would your message be to uh, your fellow priests in California, in Oregon, Washington, along the East Coast as well, as they experience lockdowns, they try to deprive Christians of Holy Mass on Christmas Eve. Uh, what, would your, what would your advice be to the priests? Viva Cristo, Rey. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the second is just to stand up and say to your faithful, you're going to do whatever you can to help them, whether it be to hear those confessions and give communion, whether it's to just say those masses, especially, you know, I promote the Latin Mass, so the Latin Mass is so much efficacy um, and strength. It's the only way to go. And so I think that that being the case and them fighting, Our Lady can't but help protect that and our Lord also. So the more that they fight for the truth and what they know to be solid for the faithful, they're going to be protected by it. And so I encourage them to fight, to not back down, and to follow those rules. I mean, obviously, they want to be obedient to their superiors, but not to cause dissension or revolution. But at the same time, en masse, why couldn't a whole diocese of priests go to the bishop and say, Your Excellency, we want to celebrate the mass for the faithful? Why couldn't they do that? Right. And uh, two more questions, I guess, and then maybe we'll take a couple from the audience if you have time, Father. Um, What further evidence do we need that we are literally in the state of emergency? I mean, the entire Catholic Church has capitulated under the weight of a feather. Uh, I was tracking diocese by diocese as they were shutting down preemptively before anyone ever asked them to. And um, and here we are in— you know, uh, nine months later, uh, two weeks into flattening the curve, and uh, the world is shutting down Italy, France, um, Spain, Germany. Right. That's very true. This is, I, I mean, if this is not a state of emergency of sorts anyway, I mean, do, don't you feel pretty justified where, where you're sitting now? Yes, and that's why I—that's true, Mike. I, I thought, you know, I said to myself, there will be those who— overreact because a little something's happening to take away our freedom. Then there will be those who react when it's necessary, and then there will be those who sit in the concentration camp saying, hey, what happened? And so we don't want to get to that point. We don't want to. We need to see that the state of emergency is here to stand up for the mass, the church, the rights, the good of families, and and not let it go on. Otherwise, we will find ourselves like that great book. I love that great book of uh, G.K. Chesterton, the ball on the cross, where you find yourself in the in the prison as an insane person mm-hmm. when all you're trying to do is live nobly, you know? <laughs> right, right. It, it does feel like Alice in Wonderland sometimes, Father, especially for the faithful. <laughs> and that actually leads me to my final question that I had wanted to ask you is, uh, what advice do you have to the faithful as we try to cope with all this madness, this COVID-1984 hysteria, 99.96 survivability rate? I mean, it's like... This, we have yep. to live in reality. What what should we be doing? Um, the rosary. Keep the rosary every day, the daily rosary, and then watch out for the fear factors. You know, 
one thing we learn from the Ignatian exercises, and we priests of the society promote them quite heavily as part of our spirituality for the faithful and ourselves, is these principles of St. Ignatius. And one of his principles is to not run fearful in front of the enemy. And so, of course, the devil we're talking about primarily. But also another principle is to watch when something comes in, is entered into the family, what kind of fruit does it bring? If it brings an unpeacefulness or a sadness or a fearfulness, it's not the work of God. And so we, we should not be running around as fearful Catholics, lacking hope. No, we need to be standing hopeful in Our Lady and Our Lord, the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart, saying our rosary mm -hmm. and pushing back on those fear factors. And we have so many around us. Everybody just wants to clam up and then act less human. And it's not proper. It's not, it's not the right way to go. So the virtue of hope, the rosary, devotion to the Immaculate Heart and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And of course, watching to see, you know what, that coming from the news or from the newspaper, that's just causing fear. What basis does it have? And not being sucked into it, you know? That's that's beautiful. You know, we've got a couple hundred people watching us right now, Father, uh, and many thousands more who will uh, hopefully view this video, assuming it survives. Um, yes. I, I want to take a couple questions. The first is I need to give a quick shout out to Anya Proctor, who actually <laughs> gave me your number. Although, although I, I didn't tell you this, uh, Father, that it was she that linked us up because you gave me your business card. I was in Denver yeah. Airport. I ran into Father Burfitt. And I said, Father, yeah. I used to live in L.A. I know who you are. I've seen you a few times, you know, and you, and you gave me your card. And then I, of course, lost it because that's what I do. <laughs> uh, but Anya says, do you like the tea and do you need more? <laughs> Good tea. I can always use tea. Now, look what's going to happen. I'm going to have boxes of tea coming to, <laughs> to my prior. <laughs> All right. My, well, good. good tea, and I need some more. Thank you. <laughs> um, somebody named Against Modernism says, Father Burfitt has amazing catechism videos. Father, where can we find those? Oh, you can find them on our Our Lady of the Angels uh, website, or sorry, YouTube site. Um, but you can also find them on the FSSPX um, news site. We have both loaded um, those series. I don't know if I'm up to number 30 for a conference, but we're going through the Catechism of the Council of Trent and starting from the very beginning. And now we're talking about the Holy Eucharist. So you can go through those on Our Lady of the Angels YouTube site and subscribe. You can also find them on the FSSPX uh, news site. Brilliant. Okay, I will link to the Our Lady of Angels YouTube site, and please do as Father uh, asks you to, and and subscribe to the channel so you can get those powerful videos. Um, Herminia asks, how big is Our Lady of the Angels Church? We have a seating capacity of about five hundred. Right now, we have a registered attendance at our parish of close to five hundred. Um, right now, because of still some souls being fearful of the COVID virus. Um, they were averaging about close to 400 faithful on a Sunday. Uh, somebody we, asks, you know, if, they're for, if they're asked or told to wear a mask in order to go to Mass, should they comply with that request, Father? Here in Southern California, they should. Uh, what we do is we don't police it. That's not my job to police it. So we encourage them to wear their mask from the car to the church, if they want to wear it in the church, they're most welcome to until, of course, they have to take it off for communion on the tongue. Um, but, yes, I do believe that they need to do that to a certain degree because that's 
if you're going to be called for us anyway, essential business, then essential businesses are required to wear a mask. But again, I'm not going to be the policeman. So even though we encourage it, we're not going to, you know, kick somebody out for not wearing it. Roger. Um, I, you know, I, other than that, I, I'm getting a tons of thank yous and a tons of congratulations. Uh, you have the cool. adulation of basically the entire traditional Catholic community who's, who's standing with you. And, um, you know, I only wish that everyone else had the fortitude and the courage, the subvirtue of, of the cardinal virtue of fortitude that you have, yes. Father, to stand for us and for the rights of God. Because uh, as you said, and I've said on this channel, it's not about me going to Mass. It's about yeah. rendering a sacrifice to God that is pleasing to God. It is about His rights to be worshipped how He needs to be worshipped. That's true. So true. Yeah, and we need to give God what is His due. We know we're meant to the four acts, right? To adore to be contrite for our sins, to be thankful, and to supplicate, to petition him. Um, we, yes, we owe so much to those who came before us, who fought for the faith, our grandfathers, grandmothers, our parents, and we need to be faithful to that. We can't just stand down thinking, oh, you know, it's, well, we'll just pray at home. And, you know, I had the health officials tell me that at the front door. Well, how come you have to worship inside? Can't you pray anywhere? And I thought, well, then suddenly you become the, the, <laughs> You're giving me suggestions on how to worship in the church. This is silly. Yeah. Of course, we can pray in many places, but you only worship God at the Mass in a church. Um, you know, that's where that's where we do that. We can say our rosary anywhere, but we, we don't receive Holy Communion just walking through the streets. We go to, our, <laughs> right. we go, we go to the temple. We go to God's house. Right, right. All right, one final question, I promise. Uh, somebody in San Diego wants to know if you guys are going to get down there for them. Yes, we're down there. Oh, you are? Okay. Uh, we have a chapel there, St. John Bosco, and they can look on my um, bulletin website. I don't know if you're aware of that, Mike, but it's uh, our bulletin website throughout all our chapels. FSSPX.today is our bulletin for all of our mass time. So you just have to look up the appropriate city. Okay. Well, I'm, I'll link to all three of those things. I'll find a letter from Pope St. Pius X, uh, your YouTube okay. channel, and then your bulletin website, Good. Ashley Father Burfitt. Joining us from Los Angeles or Arcadia, just outside of L.A., northeast L.A., thank you so much for your, uh, for leading the way. You're an inspiration to all of us. And Father, would you would you convince would you commit to coming back to letting us know how the lawsuit ends up going when it proceeds? I would. I would commit to doing that. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. God bless you, Father.